I invite you to turn to Ezekiel chapter uh, 47. We're in uh, just a three-week uh, series here at the beginning of the fall, uh, just to refresh uh, our vision uh, for our church and the direction we just have sensed that God is calling and leading us towards. And, and as you're turning there, I just want to tell a, a quick story. Um, this past week, uh, we started Alpha, and uh, if, if you're new to our church, what's Alpha? It's a place uh, where there's a meal, there's a, a talk and a discussion, and, it, and the, the meal's great. The, the talk is just, hey, this is uh, 11 weeks, 12 weeks, something like that, where each week is a different topic about Christianity. It's like, this is it. And then the discussion, you invite people to say, so what do you think? And, and you just invite anybody you want, and, uh, and it's just an invitation for people to kind of check out what what following Christ is about. And uh, last week I said, hey, you know, pray for us. It looks like, you know, we may have around 30 guests uh, coming to this thing, 35 guests, because we had around 60 people signed up and we typically have experienced about 50% uh, attrition, like people don't make it for whatever reason. So uh, this past week we, we had two day night, Tuesday night and my phone starts blowing up. I couldn't make the first night because I had uh, something with our, our district. And um, my phone's blowing up, and uh, so uh, by the end of Sunday afternoon, we had 88 guests signed up, and uh, yeah, so Tuesday night, we had 61 guests show up, um, more than double, and it was just, it was an amazing night. Um, every table was just filled up, uh, maxed out. And uh, the, the discussion, so there's also about 20, uh, the Alpha team, we have an Alpha team, and then we have some, obviously some of you who invited uh, friends and family, coworkers, or whatever, you came along, so there's about 20 people from Freshwater. So it was a packed room, and we had all kinds of stories, because at the end of the, the talk, the, the discussion part, you get to ask a question. What question, if you could ask anything of God, what would be the question you'd want to ask him? What question is it? And, and so, you know, we had atheists there, and, and one guy uh, said, well, I've, my question is, why would believe, people even believe this to begin with? Um, that's my question. Um, and then we had other questions about, one guy just, uh, just talked about, I just, I'm, I'm lost. What do I do? That's my question to God. I don't even know what to do with my life. And uh, another guy came from actually the first semester, and uh, he was... Uh, First, I mean, well, from the spring, and he was just a guy that was um, just challenging and uh, really pushed the, his table and the, the people that were leading it. And we just kept saying, God, what do you want us to do? And he said, I mean, we just sensed, don't, don't go after this guy. Don't confront him about, you know, maybe how he's treating people or whatever. Just love him. And so week nine, this guy all of a sudden pipes up and says, I, I just, I want you guys to know, I don't think I've ever been loved by a group of people like you've loved me. And the whole table about fell out of their cha chairs, like, are you kidding me? And uh, he was back again this semester. And his question is, how do I get healing from the pain from my childhood? And right, and all of a sudden, it all makes sense. That's Alpha. And every table was just like that. So I want to say thanks for praying. Thanks for inviting. You guys are doing it. And it is a safe place. The, the buzz, uh, the people coming out of it were just talking about it. The guests, uh, even the next day we heard stories about the guests saying that was an unbelievable night. 
nothing like what I thought would, what it would be like, and uh, wanting to come back and excited. And these are people that aren't Christians, right? So it's just amazing to see just what happens when you just slow down and care for people and love people. And uh, if you want to invite somebody, please do. It, it, it's kind of this crazy open-ended thing, and uh, we'd love to have you come. Um, anyway, just come on out. And uh, no, I mean, obviously, people who are searching, we don't need any more Christians, all right? So not saying I love you and everything, but you get right. Okay. Um, moving on. So, um, oh, yeah, it was funny, though. Tuesday night, I got this text about that Alpha's blowing up, and this is my text uh, from somebody that was uh, leading one of the tables. It said, hey, Scott, Jesus here. I'll take your 50% and raise you 40%. <laughs> I love that. And then it says, you're welcome, Jesus. So uh, just some uh, family life stuff going on. We have questions uh, from a lot of people going, I don't know where to go to for information because I get all kinds of stuff from you all. So let me make it real clear, okay? We're all going to get used to this word need to know. Everybody say need to know. How many have seen the need to know? All right. So here's the thing about the need to know. The need to know is everything you need to know of what's going on at Freshwater Church. So if you get an email... You can get it by email. The need to know comes in there. If you get on Facebook and you're saying, hey, what's going on at our church? You're going to click on, and guess what? It's going to be the same one that's in your email. If you go on our church website and you want to know what's going on, you're going to click on the, and guess what? You're going to find the, and it's going to tell you what you, right, exactly. Are you hearing a theme? The need to know. If you open up your app, you're going to find a little app that says, and guess what? It's going to tell you what you, Exactly. So we don't care where it is, whatever social media site you're using, the need to know is always going to be the same need to know no matter which site you're on. So the other thing is if you want to see the calendar out six months, you can go under our website and you click a link. It'll take you right to the calendar. You can go onto Facebook, click the same link to our calendar. It goes to the same calendar. You can get onto our app, click on that calendar, and it takes you, guess where? The same calendar. Yeah, we're good. We got it going on, finally. So um, just want to let you know that. Uh, bulletin, when you see the bulletin, it gives you most of the information. In fact, all the information that the need to know it has as well. So just want to let you those things. Some of you are still old school and you need to have it in print and we get that and, and we're hopefully we're meeting, we're meeting that very specific need of yours. And it's a beautiful moment right now as you hold it. Um, so we have a moment of silence as you read your... No. All right. A couple things just to let you know. Women's Bible study, a couple different signups in the back. Women's Bible study. Um, there's a new marriage, uh, couple's marriage class that's uh, going on. And then, um, hey, dudes, if you like to swing hammers or dudettes, uh, build things, do stuff like that, Joe Berider is needing a team of people to go up to Cleveland to help with one of the inner city projects with Envision uh, the last Saturday in September. Joe Berider swinging hammers, stuff like that, last Saturday. Cool? You guys got it? Joba Ryder, Envision, Saturday. I'm good. I think that's it. All right, Ezekiel 47. Uh, let me read this to you. Chapter uh, 47, verses 1 through 12. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. Oh, sorry. Uh, this is Ezekiel writing, if, if you are unfamiliar with this passage. And he's having this, he's given a vision by God, and, and the man is either an angel from the Lord or the Lord himself appearing. Um, 
and he's taking Ezekiel and showing him a vision of, of just what he wants to do for Israel. The water, as we read this, is a metaphor for the presence of God, and it helps as you read through that to know that. So the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was flowing from the south side. As a man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? And then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river, and he said to me, This water flows towards the eastern region, where it goes down into the Ereba and enters the sea, which is the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Engleim. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both sides of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. Let's pray. Lord, would you do that work again in us, that song that we just sang of this holy moment and you being here. Holy Spirit, we're open to your words and your voice. Would you lead this time? And Lord, I, as we're praying, it's, uh, it's a normal day for us. But uh, Lord, we pray for those in South Carolina, North Carolina, that, uh, Lord, are just living through the devastation of this hurricane. Lord, we bless them with mercy that comes from you, with provision. Lord, we pray that the recovery, the cleanup for these families, uh, these cities, uh, Lord, would go faster than normal, would be ahead of schedule, Lord, that this would not be something, uh, Lord, that gets blocked or prevented, but we would just see we would see people and lives restored. Lord, we pray for protection, even for those who go and serve and, and are helping people clean out. We pray your, your hand, your blessing, your presence is all over this, God. Amen.
What I love about uh, Ezekiel 47 is it's a vision. And it really defies this idea of go to a boardroom and break it down. It's just a vision. What is a vision? Well, it's something you can see. And and as you read this, you can just see it. We can imagine in our minds, hey, this is what it's going to look like. That's, That's how it is. This is the picture of what happens when people connect with God. His presence flows in them. And, and last week we talked about what it looks like to be connected up with God and the, the implications of that and, and what God wants to do and how he wants to bring healing and, and transformation into everything. This week we're going we're gonna to start to talk about, well, the, the passages, the chapters that lead up to this. And chapters 1 through 25 is really God dealing with Israel and the disobedience and judgment that's coming. The next several chapters are then, uh, you know, pronouncements of judgment on the nations and, and things like that. Chapter 37 starts to take a turn where God says, I'm going to do a new work. And it's this famous passage where there's valleys of bones that all of a sudden become alive. And, and that's God and his work. And chapter 40 through 46 is this, it, it seems like, man, it's all kinds of minutia, but it's God saying, I'm going to rebuild the temple and I'm going to call Israel back. I'm going to fill the temple up with my people and it's going to be like I designed it to be, like it, like it was created to be, like they were created to be and, and, and how this all was going to happen together. And then 47 is the picture of, and this is what's going to happen when they all come back together. And so there's just detail after detail, this measurement to this measurement, and this room, this size, and this wall, and this gate. And you can kind of get lost in it, but he then begins to start weaving in the priesthood. He says, I want, I want room for the priests, and the priests are going to come back, and they're going to start to serve, and they're going to start to minister, and they're going to start teaching. And he says in chapter 44, verse 33, he's like, this is what's going to happen. The priests are going to teach my people then the difference between the holy and the common and show them how to distinguish between the unclean and the clean. And God had this picture of this is what it's going to look like, of how to connect with me. And, and it comes out of my people gathering to worship me and to minister to each other. As you look through the New Testament, there's this call to connect with each other, the family of God. And just as chapters 40 through 46 is this setup for his people starting to connect to each other, even as they're connecting to him, the New Testament has all these examples of the body of Christ coming together and connecting in, in several different ways. And out of that, God's presence flows. Now, what makes that difficult is the culture that we live in and the challenge specifically to us. And, and there is a number of different things, but something that strikes me about the day and age we live in is that the culture, the culture tells us, no, this is, this is what you should expect. You should expect, you should expect everything instantly. You should expect everything the way you want it to be. It should be on your timeline, your time frame, and it should all be catered to you. And we hear that all the time, right? I mean, the low-hanging fruit, you can always just pick on McDonald's slogan, have it your way, right? I mean, that's the old one. Uh, what we're starting to see more is you can literally shop online, not leave your house, and get what you want within 24 hours. Just shop Amazon, shop Walmart. You don't even have to get out of your, you don't have to get in your car anymore to go grocery shopping. It just comes to you, right? 
And, and Walmart will remember your list and remind you, hey, you may be running low on as a friendly reminder, right? Creeping us out um, along the way. But that's it, right? You think about how quickly and instantaneously we get everything and how it's, it's catered to us, and so much so that we have these quick responses of irritation, frustration, and anger when we don't get something in 24 hours. I don't know if you've ever been to a different country, like, say, the Southern Hemisphere. It doesn't work like that. You go to Senegal, you ain't getting it your way. I mean, you might get it in three months, if you're lucky. Senegal's pretty good. You go to Guinea, you ain't getting it at all. I mean, you're not getting anything, let alone your way. In fact, you can pack your bags, check them on the airline, and you won't get your bags. You won't get what you packed. They'll take it off your hands. They'll get it their way. I mean, that's, it's crazy. And, and what's interesting, you, I mean, South, South Africa, salt in South Africa, salt in Zambia, I've seen it down in Peru. Nothing happens quick in this world. It, it's, I think it, one of the things that can happen is we really do believe that this is normal. This isn't normal. This isn't the way most of the people in this world live. They don't. They don't live this way. And we've come to think this is how the Christian life is. It, it, we pull it into church and we think it has to be quick, fast, the way I like it, my schedule, cater to me, me. And, and we bring the mantra, the customer's always right, into church. You'll never find the word customer here. There's no customer language in here. Servant. Slave. Right? There, there's a whole lot of other words. Disciple. And that's the danger. And so when God starts to set this thing up, and he says, look, you want, you want my presence. Great, I'll describe it for you. That's great, but you want my presence. The pathway to, to connecting with me. When we're connected to him, he's saying, hey, look, there's several things you guys need to understand about how I want you to connect to each other. Th this is what it means. And, and the great thing is, it all kind of intermingles. So when we're connecting to God, we're also connecting to each other. And when we're connecting to each other, it, it, it connects us to God. And so he talks about several different things. One of them, one of them is this idea that he wants us to get into fellowship. No, actually, sorry, discipleship. I'm on the wrong page. I got it messed up. This idea of discipleship is, is this idea of plugging in somewhere. And, and it, it's something that is both taught and caught. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, right when he was leaving, he said, hey, look, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything that I've taught you. And this, this thing that he, they call like the Great Commission, like, hey, this is his big commission to the memories go, it, it gets passed down to everyone who calls themselves a Christ follower. So that commission is yours, make disciples. Become a disciple. You're going to have to be a disciple before you can make a disciple. And as soon as you are a disciple, you got to what? Start making disciples. 
And so there's this idea that in our life as a Christian, we are constantly in this process of having someone disciple us, of walking alongside people who are in the process with us, doing the journey with them, and pulling others along with us who are newer or younger in the faith. Make disciples, be a disciple, and make a disciple. Part of that is taught, and part of it's caught. And and so what I mean by that is some of this happens in a classroom. Some of this happens where somebody sits in front of you and challenges you to think theologically, to think and push yourselves philosophically and go, look, you're stuck. Go deeper here. And we have classes like, I look over here because Norm always sits there in the second, first service. Uh, we have classes that uh, Norm Pond teaches and, and a couple other guys, uh, people in our church teach that take us deep. But there's other, there's other contexts that have that happen. And we have our women's Bible study that meets. And it's actually, sign-ups are here um, starting, I think it actually starts this week. So this is the last day of sign-ups, gals. That's a context where you can go deeper, that someone's going to disciple you. And I know that can be kind of like overwhelming if if you're newer and you're trying to figure out where to start. That's a great place to start. Go there. You're going to meet women that are walking the life with you, and and you're going to feel connected. And and there's a piece of this. They want to make sure that they're bringing people along. So check it out. we got an evening one and a a morning one. It's the same one, I think, and there'll be something offered a little bit later, but there's a, a kiosk out there in the back. We also have, um, I think another thing, uh, there's a couples, uh, married couples thing, which is, it's a class on what does God say about marriage? And it's a class for newly married and old, oldly, oldly married. I don't know how you say that. <laughs> discipleship can be taught, but discipleship can also be caught. And this is legal. And I give you permission to do this. You can go up to someone who has been walking as a Christ follower longer than you, and you look at him and you go, how did you get there? And you say, can we do lunch? I need to know how you got to where you were. Can you mentor me? Can you disciple me? And if somebody comes up to you and says that, you better not tell them no. (laughs) You're supposed to make disciples. Now, their whole life is not in your hands. But you can sit down and talk with them. And if, if you feel like, hey, no, I know somebody here, and, and have the conversation and hand them off and say, yeah, that's what you need. This person right here is going to take you or take it. What a gift, right? But are you making disciples? And, and I, I don't want to hear, oh, I only just work with infants or I only just work with toddlers. There is no such thing as just in the family of God. You can disciple an infant. A child knows when they're loved. Even in, You see the research that's coming out, that's out there and been out there for years about a child, a child can intuit when they're being loved and cared for. That's called discipleship. In the name of Christ, you can pray over them. That's discipleship. Is it basic? Yeah. Do you have to know a high level of content? No. But it counts. It's all across the board, anywhere from a child to an adult. You're you're taking them, you're inviting them, and you're seeking out others. I just saw somebody or talked with somebody recently who's in their 50s and said, hey, I need somebody to mentor me. They've been walking with Christ for a long time. And they said, I want to go the next step. I'm stuck. 
every person God calls to follow him, he also calls to be connected in his family, being discipled and discipling others. And I look around this room and so many of you are engaged in that. The problem is with discipleship and being called into this thing is that it's never quick. It's never just A, B, and C, and it's frustrating as a leader because I want to have like this cookie cutter thing that if we just do A, B, and C, we're just going to have this product at the end and we'll all be good and it'll all just be clean. But it, it just doesn't work that way. It's way more messy. It's way more time. I don't even, that's a right English. Uh, it takes so much more time. And when you and I come in with, it has to happen now, and it has to happen my way, and I got to go, 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 and I don't have time for that because I got to go, 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 right? You don't have time to be discipled, and you don't have time to disciple because we're all just so slammed and our thinking so warped, and, and the Christian life and this connection takes way more time. Two weeks ago, uh, Carl Few passed away. And most of you don't know Carl. Uh, Carl has been part of our church and his wife. His wife, Mary, passed away a few years ago. Been a part of our church for decades. Carl, in the old building, would always sit in the back left, about third row from the back. So whoever's in the third row, you're his people. Um, Carl and Mary. And I, I, I always go up to Carl, you know, say hi to him, shake his hand. He had this tough, uh, just... I mean, he was just this blue-collar guy, and he'd shake his hand, and it would crush mine, and uh, kind of guy, right? And I'd always ask him, how you doing? And don't ever ask Carl, how are you doing, because he'll tell you. And he'd say, Scott, I don't like all the stuff going on here, but I'm coming. And, and that was Carl. Don't ask him if you don't want to know. But Carl was committed for years. We just sang happy birthday to Donna Brubaker. She is the oldest and only living charter member of this church. Started coming here when she was 12 years old. She's 95. Is that right? Did I do the math right? I think so. Yeah, she's 95. Came when she was around, yeah, 12, 13. 95 years old. She's been through every senior pastor this church has had. That's a lot. She's been through the ups and the downs. She's been here when it was just small. All the way through the 70s, all the way through the 80s and the 90s and the mess that all was and into the 2000s and now she's 95, it's 2018. What if I told you your discipleship, your connection to in and this discipleship of not only being discipled and discipling others needs to be thought of in terms of decades half centuries does that change the way you think so when we come into church and it's not the latest and greatest well we'll see what it is in 50 years doesn't it change it if you think wow I wonder what a 50-year curve looks like. You kind of slow down. You don't get excited about all the latest and greatest because you think, no, what really matters is the souls of those around me and my own soul. 
which may be on this longer journey that has nothing to do with the next moment, but a perseverance and a patience and this commitment to something way longer and bigger than just me in this moment. Now, God meets us in our needs. That's the great thing about Ezekiel 47. He'll meet us right here. But he has a bigger picture in mind that spans my life and your life, the entirety of it. Not just what I can get in 24 hours, what I can jam into my schedule. And some of you, I look around the church, there's so many that are all about it. The church is healthy in so many ways. But some of you, you don't read, you don't study, you don't learn. You aren't doing anything, you're stuck. And this isn't a suggestion that God's saying, maybe, perhaps, if, what do you think? It's do this. Connect. You want to connect with me? You connect in, and you become a disciple, and you make disciples. He also says something else about this connecting in, and he puts it in these words of serve. I want you to serve. And so as you look at the job description in Ezekiel chapter 43 and chapter 44, he starts to talk about the priests. Then he starts to talk about, hey, I want the priests to start doing the holy offerings in verse 13 of chapter 42. And then 43, he starts talking more about, I want the priests to do the sacrifices and the burnt offerings and the sprinkling of the blood and, and all of this. And you go to chapter 44 and it's more about the priests and it's specific, the Levites and I want them doing this and I want them doing that. And, and Teach, right? Teach the people. Teach them the difference. Settle the disputes. But there's this high call for them to serve. And in the New Testament, the Old Testament, it was the Levites who served. In the New Testament, those who follow Christ, who are connected to him, he says, you're now a priest. You're now a priestess. You now minister to people and bring my presence with you. He says, you're a royal priesthood. And he spends three chapters in 1 Corinthians explaining that every single person has been gifted with a spiritual gift to serve the body. And he, he goes on to list all these kind of gifts, administration, teaching, preaching, leadership. Serving is actually a gift, like a service, somebody who's oriented towards just meeting somebody's need. Hospitality. And there's other more miraculous ones, you know, speaking in tongues and the healing and prophecy, which is truth-telling and words of wisdom, that's words of wisdom and all kinds of things like that. But he, he puts this together and he gives Paul this metaphor. He says, you're a body and each person is a, a part of this body serving the other. And, and, and you can't have a limb or an eye or a foot saying to the body, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Because if that happens, the body doesn't work. So, Everyone here has at least a spiritual gift, if not more than one gift, to build up this church body. Second, everyone has been given that gift, as I said, to serve. To serve others. What does that look like? Well, you know, Jesus... He said, hey, do it like me. And he, he was, as he was doing this, he had kind of pulled up 
what he was wearing, got a towel, and he was washing the feet of his disciples. The feet were absolutely dirty. They're walking on the road. That's nasty, right? That's where all the animals were walking and leaving their stuff. So your feet were absolutely disgusting. And Jesus says, I want you to serve others, love others like this. And they're like, ooh. I mean, nobody wants to do that. The idea of serving is not something that is done in a day, too. It's something that is done over years. Think of this in terms of decades. He has wired you and gifted you to serve the body, not for a day, but for your life. There's no such thing as retirement. There's you, well, somebody, okay, well, no, the priests were supposed to retire. Yeah, okay, for a certain segment, for a certain thing. I know if somebody's going to know the Bible on that one, I'm going to get dinged. So I say it up front. But there's still this call to never stop. You just serve. I want to invite up Sheila Norwood. Sheila's uh, been in our youth ministry uh, as a youth sponsor. And uh, I just wanted to ask her, Hey, what's your experience serving uh, with the youth? And so everybody say hi to Sheila. So you've been a part of Freshwater for you and Jeremy for how many years? 14 years. 14 years. And your kids, are your kids here in this service? One of, right there, Connor. I see him, man. So you have three kids. I have three kids, eight, 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 what are the different capacities you've served in here at Freshwater? Um, so all things youth, and then just various different things with the children's ministry, like in the toddler room, and um, some Sunday night and programs. You've done it all? Yeah. Done it all. You've been in the youth ministry, though, serving there how many years? And he remembers it. He remembers In a good way? In a good, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> so 12 years, uh, how many youth pastors? Four. Four youth pastors. Um, what's, what's that been like, serving 12 years in a ministry? So it challenges, obviously, that many years.
Oh, he's leaving. <laughs> I mean, talk about that, because your kids say, Mom, why are you going? And yeah, you're, you're explaining to them what? I do explain. I explain to them um, quite often that, well, you know, Mommy needs to go in and help our teens and our, and our youth uh, to know more about Christ and know how much they love, uh, love them and uh, that they're letting me do that. So I always try to make them part. Lynn always tries to make my kids part of the youth ministry, too. Like they get to tag along here and there for different things. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Sheila. <laughs> Sheila, Sheila. Standing ovation. Standing ovation from the youth pastor. <laughs> I, I want to just challenge those of you who aren't serving, and, and I would say it's probably a smaller group because so many of you are serving serving in so many different ways. It's, uh, it's humbling to see. It's challenging to see. Um, it spurs, I know it spurs me on, it spurs the staff on when we see people sacrificing. But some of you aren't serving, and you're killing us. You need to serve. You just do. It, this isn't an option. It, it's, it's not something we get a, a free pass on. God says, serve. And, and the thing is, if we don't serve, this promise, Ezekiel 47, it, it gets hindered. Is God with you? Yes. But it gets hindered. His presence starts to trickle. It starts to slow down because there's, there's just a refusal to obey and follow him. And I would encourage you to take that call seriously, to serve. And it does count. Everywhere you serve, I mean, we have somebody that takes care of the grounds around here. They're good at it. They're gifted at it. They make things grow. Most of us kill things, right? If they didn't do that, we wouldn't have a nice front yard, right? We wouldn't have all the, the green stuff. People who care for babies or people who teach adults, people who work with youth, it, it all counts. The counting teams, that counts. Right? I mean, all of this, the body works together. And we have opportunities. You, you can look in the need to know. I know there's, there's stuff with the children's ministry. There's stuff that's, that's out there for the youth ministry. Different levels of responsibility and involvement. And we get that. And we want to help you figure that out as a church. And we'll be announcing that sometime here. I don't know when we'll be able to offer this next class, but it's a class that helps you discover your spiritual gift and how that gets and how you get placed and where's the best place to fit within a ministry. I want to challenge you to serve. If you're not, if you call this church home, you're connected in with this family, you need to be engaged in that. Final thing I just want to, uh, want to touch on is fellowship. In chapter 45 and 46, God starts to remind Israel, look, I've called you to celebrate and to get together and to worship me. And he put within the, the rhythm of their lives 
this idea of feasts and, and festivals. And so he says, actually in verse 15, he says, I want all these, the flocks and everything, the sheep to be used for the grain offerings and fellowship to the people. Oh, sorry, I got the wrong verse here. It'll be the duty of the prince to provide the burnt offerings, here we go, grain offerings and drink offerings at the festivals, the new moons and the Sabbaths and all the appointed feasts of the house of Israel. And he says it again in verse 46. He talks about, hey, look, I want you guys to get together in verse 11. And he says, at the festivals and the appointed feasts, and he go on, he went on to explain what he wants done. If you read in Exodus and Leviticus and, and Deuteronomy, you see this call to, to a rhythm. Uh, there's a whole 12-month calendar kind of rhythm that Israel is called to of going to feasts and, and festivals. And I don't know whether it's ever dawned on you, but I was reading that. I'm going, huh, God put within the rhythm of his family times to party. Like, it wasn't just, I want you to do a worship service all day long, and all you do is just sing praise and, and hear the word. No, there was, I want, you to bring, I want you to bring the meat, I want you to bring the bread, I want you to bring all the fixins, and we're going to have a party for a week. And there was week-long festivals. There was multiple day, you know, day-long festivals and feasts. And there's this, this thing that God created this for, and it's called fellowship. And you read in Acts, and, and it says that they constantly devoted themselves to the fellowship, to sharing what they had, to helping each other out, to meeting each other's needs, to, to confessing sins to one another that deep, to, to sharing life. And, and, and when we come and we start getting connected to God, he says, look, one of the cool things is I'm going to pull you into the family, and you're going to get connected here at a heart level, a soul level. And that's why we talk about community groups here. And that's, that's why we push that, because you, it's hard to do that in a large group right here. You got your hood. We realize that. Your hood is the, the rows in front and behind you, a couple before and behind. And you're taking care of your hood. You kind of know who's in your hood, or we're hoping you can. But that meaningful, deep fellowship happens in the context of smaller groups. It just does. And, and God says, I want you to be part of that. I want you to eat together and celebrate together. I think one of the reasons Alpha is so effective is because we do it over a meal. And you eat meals together, and something happens, and it's small talk a lot there in the beginning. How's your day? And then we just ask silly questions and, and talk about it. But something happens over a meal. You get to know people. Somebody invites you to your house, it feels different. It's not the same as a restaurant. Why? Because it's their home. There's some people here with the gift of hospitality. You're always having a party. You're just always having people over. And those of you who are married to someone with the gift of hospitality, you're hitting them right now, right? Because they are always up for the party. Where's the party? Did you know God has given a spiritual gift called hospitality? And you just look right back at him and say, don't fight Jesus. Don't fight Jesus. Right? Jesus wants a party. He gave me the gift. Just go with it. Just go. Fellowship. Fellowship. There's times, I've heard this even recently. You're in the hospital or somebody's in the hospital, and I hear, I hear this constantly, man. I, you wouldn't believe the cards I got, the phone calls I got, the emails I got, the, the line of visitors that came in to see me. Uh, the, I felt so cared for, and, and the crazy thing is, the awesome thing is, the pastor wasn't one of them. 
It's the community group. It's their Bible study group. It's the people that they've been in fellowship with for 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 and 80 years. You know, one of the cool stories, I think, about fellowship is with Billy Graham. His entire team, somewhere in the late or mid-70s, not mid-70s, mid-90s, started to look at each other and say, hey, look, we're, we're edging towards retirement. Actually, I think it was in the 80s. What does it look like for us to retire together? And you look at the team, and most of them actually, that core team, retired in the same area because they were, they were family. They had grown so close. Some of you don't know what that is like, uh, not living close to family. Uh, Joe and I lived for what, almost 20 years without having family. Now we have family close. Proverbs says, better is a friend close by than a brother far away. Why? Because the friend close by becomes that brother and that sister. And we've learned what that means. You guys have become family. That's, that's what happens. You all of a sudden become family as we get connected to God. Uh, one last story. I, uh, this past November, and this is what happens when we serve together. This is what God does. I, I love just, he, he, it's just brilliant. When we start connecting with him, we start serving each other in the body. You also begin to build relationships. You also get close to people when you serve. If you're struggling to connect, start serving in a ministry. You'll start to get to know people. You'll start to connect with people. The elder board, we, we were doing our, our interview for Jake and Holland and, and the worship pastor position back in November. Uh, December actually was the time that we did it, and we had a, the interview was over at the Starks house. It was at the Starks, right? It wasn't the Hogan, yeah. Yes. <laughs> And uh, so we're at the Starks, and it was one of those nights where, you know, we just had a lot of, there was a lot on our slate, leadership-wise, and it was one of those nights where everybody was just in that mood, and especially Greg McCauley, and I lost control of the interview process. It was literally like the whole time, everybody was cracking jokes, and everybody was in tears. And I'm like, we got to interview this guy but nobody could stop laughing. And Greg, when he gets in one of those moods, you just have Greg and Lana over sometime and pray God puts him in one of those moods because Greg is absolutely hilarious. He's a former chairman. We didn't ask him to step down because of this, but um, <laughs> he was just on. And part of the fun is watching Lana because Lana's just hitting him and saying, stop it, stop it. And we just laughed. And it's these people that we have served and we have gone through We've gone through deep water together. We've been through some mess together. Decades, right? Served with some of these guys for more than 10 years, 12 years, and there's something that happens in that fellowship that God's presence begins to flow and it brings life. And if you've never tasted that kind of fellowship, you're missing out. If you've never tasted the presence of God when you serve, just like Sheila said, where it comes and it brings life, you're missing out. If you don't know what God's presence is like in discipleship, when you're going deep and somebody's taking you deep and you encounter God there or you're bringing someone along and they get it and God is like, oh, and everybody's like, oh, and it's, that's the presence. Connecting with God up and connecting with his family in.
Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your, it's brilliant, God. It's just, it's brilliant. And the privilege of being a part of, of your family. Like it really is a family. Thank you so much. Lord, I pray that you would bless everyone who, here, who is here seeking you and following you, Lord. You, you know, Lord, how healthy this church is. And we're not perfect, but Lord, you see the passion for you and the hunger for you in this church across the board. I just pray, would you just, would your favor come on us? And Lord, would you just, would you in your, that gentle way, that kind way, pull everyone along, pull all of us along, God, as we seek to connect with you and connect with your family. Amen. If you have anything you need prayer for, uh, we have some people up here in the front that would love to pray for you and uh, invite you to come up and uh, see what God would say, uh, say to you. God bless you all.